Hello and welcome to this episode of the WMBC 615 Service Broadcast, a broadcast outreach of Whitley Memorial Baptist Church in Nashville, Tennessee. My name is Daniel and I'm hosting on behalf of our pastor and entire church family, and it is my pleasure to say hello and welcome. We are incredibly happy you've joined us today. If this is your first time listening to our podcast, let me extend a very special welcome to you. It's our true blessing and honor to have you joining us today, and I hope that you would take just a short moment, go down to the comment section below, or you can go to our Facebook page or our website, drop us a quick line, let us know how you found us. I'll give you more info on all that later. Before we continue, I want to challenge you with something today. The service you're going to hear is a part of what we call our Wednesday evening prayer service. This means we take a special time of prayer before our sermon starts, and we actually lay out our special prayer requests to our uh, fellow members and family within the church. And the reason we do that is that way everybody can pray together on these issues. And these can be anything from medical to financial to spiritual. And I encourage you to take a second, hit pause, write down a physical list of the things you want to pray for today. And that can be for yourself, for anybody in your family or in your friends group, Then also make a second list, and the second list is for the lost loved ones and friends in our life. We always want to bring those before God in a prayer that He will work and move in their life. So again, I encourage you, press pause and go find a quiet space and take some quiet time with God and pray with us today. Today's message is titled, Who is Jesus? Now this is a part two. Brother Scott's been going through some basic Bible truths of who Jesus is, and the Who is Jesus part one is available for listening just down below. His previous sermon, God is Real, is also available for listening and brings some very real truth and meaning to who God is and why God does indeed exist according to the Word of God. I encourage you to go back and listen to both of those and catch up. As we begin the sermon today, I encourage you to have your Bible and notebooks out. That way you can follow along and see for yourself what the Word of God has to say. If you aren't where you can read along with us, say you're in a car, that's just fine. Leave the Bible alone. Brother Scott will be reading the scriptures with us as we go. That way you can still hear the Word for yourself. So let's get started and head over to Brother Scott with today's message. John chapter 1, we're going to read a lengthy passage of scripture tonight. And uh, we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to read down through verse 18. Now, it won't hurt you to read the Bible with us, will it? No, it'll be good. And so John chapter 1 in your Bible tonight, and uh, let me get you to look there with me. Notice it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. Look at verse 12 now. But as many as received him, get that, but as many as received him, to them gave he power the right to become the sons or children of God even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. That refers to being born again. Jesus talked about in John 3, 3 and 3, 7. Verse 14 now. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you for tonight. We pray the Spirit of God would work. And Father, I pray you'd use me to preach the truth of your word. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, a while back, in fact, I can't remember how many Sundays ago, on a Sunday morning, uh, you can probably go back on Facebook if you have that and you can look at the message. But a while back, I preached a message entitled, God is Real. God is Real. And in that message, I gave several reasons to believe that God is real, that God actually exists. Did you hear that? That God actually exists. Now, while some people, there are still some people who question the existence of God. There are some people who question the existence of God. But there are very few who question the existence of Jesus Christ, that he actually existed, that he did live on this earth. There are very few who have questioned that. Now, I know there's some. In fact, I was looking, doing some research today for the message tonight, and I saw that some guy put in a tagline there that, don't you know that Jesus never really existed and all this kind of stuff? But can I tell you tonight, most people actually believe Jesus did exist. In fact, most scholars who are serious scholars of history believe Jesus existed. I mean, yes, the Bible tells us that Jesus existed, but apart from the Bible, there's other evidence. There's other evidence. From the writings of the Roman scholar or the Roman historian Tacitus, we, we find out about the followers of Jesus Christ. To, from the writings of the Roman historian Tacitus to the Jewish historian Flavius Josephus, from the, uh, to Jesus' influence on the world, it is obvious that Jesus actually existed. I mean, think about the influence that Jesus has had on the world. One of the proofs that somebody actually existed is their influence after they existed. Did you catch that? And when you think about Jesus' influence, think about it. Think about the books that have been written about him. The art that we have as a result of Jesus Christ. The educational institutions started as a result of Jesus. The charitable institutions. The hospitals started to help people in the name of Jesus Christ. Think about the music. Some of the greatest music in history are the result of Jesus Christ, belief in him. I mean, if you don't believe me, think about every Christmas. What's one of the greatest songs people sing at Christmas? Handles what? Messiah, right? I mean, you know, and the, you know, the hallelujah chorus, for unto us the Son is given, things like that. But one of the greatest, some of the greatest music in history is a result of him. And then even what about our calendar? Our calendar that we use is based upon the birth of Jesus Christ. My friend, if you look at the impact, you must admit that Jesus Christ existed. There is no one, think about it, there is no one who has impacted the history of mankind more than Jesus Christ has. No one, no one at all. Now, let's be honest tonight. Let's be honest. The issue is not whether Jesus existed. Why? Because we can sit here tonight and say he did. We know that he did. That's not the question tonight. The question is not whether he existed. The question is, who is Jesus Christ? That's the question that people argue about today. That's the question that is debated today. Who in the world is Jesus Christ? Well, in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, 
I want to draw your attention, excuse me, I want to draw your attention to John 1, verses 1 through 18. Now, these, these verses, these first 18 verses, the, read I, the reason I read them is many students of the Bible consider them to be the introduction to the book of John. They kind of like an introduction and they lay out what John is going to cover throughout the rest of the book. But I want you to see something tonight. These verses that you and I just read are more than an introduction about Jesus Christ. They're more than an, inter, excuse me, an introduction to the book. They're more than an introduction to the book. These verses that you and I just read tonight, in my opinion, in my opinion, are some of the greatest verses in Scripture on the person of Jesus Christ. What you and I just read, I believe, is one of the greatest passages in the Bible when it comes to Jesus Christ. So we ask the question tonight, who is Jesus? Many have their idea. Many people have their idea. Religions have their idea. Denominations have their idea. Cults have their idea. You've got professors in universities. But tonight, what we want to do is look at the Bible, and specifically here in John chapter 1, and I very quickly tonight want to do this. I want to give you five truths about Jesus Christ. Think about that. Five truths about Jesus Christ and who he is. Get that. From this passage, I'm going to give you five things tonight to tell you exactly who Jesus Christ is, who he is. So let's look at it real quick tonight. Let me give them to you very quickly. The first one will be our biggest one, and then we'll go down through them real quick. Number one, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Get what I said there. Somebody's going to say, I thought he was the son of God. He is, but he's also God. Look at verse one. Notice it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word was God. Now, I, I know you see there it says, in the beginning was the word. Did you notice that? It's capitalized. And it says, and the word, capitalized, was with God. And the word, capitalized, was God. The word, word there refers to Jesus Christ. If you read the text, you will see that that word, word, refers to Jesus Christ. What you and I need to understand tonight is Jesus is called the Word of God. He is called that. Look over in verse 14. Notice what it says in verse 14, John 1, verse 14. And the Word was made flesh. Who became flesh? Jesus did. Roman uh, Revelation chapter 19 and verse 13 says, And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. So what you and I need to understand, first of all, right here, is that when he's talking about the Word here in verse 1, and in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, he's talking about Jesus Christ. He's talking about Jesus Christ. Now, notice what the text states, so in verse 1 about Jesus. Notice what it states. In the beginning was the Word. What does that remind you of? Well, i got to be honest with you. When I, when I read that, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, chapter 1 and verse 1, says, In the beginning, what? God created the heavens and the earth, correct? Isn't that what it says? It reminds me of the same thing. But now read the rest of the verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now the rest of the verse says that the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now remember, the Word refers to Jesus. So he's saying, in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. You like that? That's what he's saying here, very simply. Now consider another verse, though. Another verse, John 8, 58. John 8, 58. In fact, won't you do this? If you got your Bible, look over in John chapter 8, just a few pages over. John chapter 8, just so you can see this here. John chapter 8, look down at verse 58. John 8, verse 58. 
you'll notice what he says here. Jesus said unto them, Be verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, did you catch that? Before Abraham was, I am. Now, think about that for a little bit. Now, if you know the Old Testament, if you know your Old Testament, Moses appeared with, uh, Moses stood before God at what? The burning bush. Did he not? Yes, he did. And in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 13, Moses got, you know, God had told Moses, I'm going to send you back to the children of Israel that are in bondage and you're going to lead them out. And Moses, you know, he was talking to God, giving all kinds of excuses and everything. But one of the things he said is, they're going to ask me what your name is. They're going to ask me who, what, what's his name? What's God's name? And in Exodus 3.14, God tells him. You know what he says? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Jesus here is talking about Abraham. He said, before Abraham existed, I am. He just wasn't referring to the fact that he existed before Abraham did. He's referring to who he is. Now, what can you and I take from John 1, 1, John 8, 58, and other passages of Scripture? There are four things you and I can take about Jesus being God. What is that? Number one, Jesus is God. You can, you can mark that down. We, you see it very plain here. He is God. The second thing you see here is this. Jesus existed before he was born in Bethlehem. Some people think that Jesus came into existence when he was born in Bethlehem. No, he existed beforehand. You know, we call it the pre-existence of Jesus Christ. You know, John chapter 6 and verse 38, Jesus said, I came down from heaven. You know what? When he was born in Bethlehem, that wasn't where he started. Jesus existed before that. He existed before it. He existed before he was born in Bethlehem. The third thing you and I can take from this is that Jesus is eternal. See, Jesus, one of the things that, that you and I need to understand is Jesus was not created by God or he was not the first of God's creations. You know, a lot, some people think, some people think, and this really kind of uh, floored me when I read this, is that some quote-unquote Christians think that Jesus was the first being God created. No, he's not. Jesus is God, my friends. He is God. Now, that brings me to the fourth thing you and I can take from this, and what is that? That Jesus is part of the triune Godhead. Think about that for a little bit. He is part of the triune, triune Godhead. Now look at verse 1 again, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, or Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now did you notice that second phrase? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word, or Jesus, was what? With God. Now wait a minute. I just said that Jesus is God. But now the verse also says, and, and by the way, the verse says that the Word was with God and the Word was God. Now, the question is, how can you be with someone and then be someone? That's the question you got to ask tonight. Well, you know what that's called? That's called a triune Godhead. I don't know how many of you have ever heard of it. You've ever heard of the doctrine of the Trinity? You know what the doctrine of the Trinity is? The teaching of the Trinity in the Bible? The definition of that very simply is this. There is one God who exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Somebody's going to say, Brother Scott, that doesn't make sense. Brother Scott, that is nuts. Brother Scott, how can you say that? We don't use anything like that. Oh, yes, we do. Yes, we do. I've used this illustration for years. 
Anybody ever been driving down the road? I know when we used to go on vacation and or travel somewhere, our kids would look out the window. And once in a while, when our kids were younger, they looked out there and said, Dad, look at all the cows, you know? And you'd look out there and you'd see a herd of cows. Now, I got news for you. If I, if I understand right, there may have been a herd of cows out there, but do you know how many cows were in the herd? There could have been 50, there could have been 100, there could have been whatever. Well, in the Godhead, there's one God, but there are three persons in the Godhead, in the Godhead. See, you know what you and I need to understand? There is only really one true God. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. One Lord. But when you study the Bible out, what you find here, they almost tripped there. You like that? Stepped on the trim on this platform. But, uh, uh, but, you, but uh, again, the Bible teaches there's one God, but when you study the Bible out, what you find is a God that exists in three persons. Father, Son, and uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. See, the Bible presents a Father who is God, 1 Peter 1, 2, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. The Bible presents a Son who is God. Hebrews 1, 8, he said, Unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. And then the Bible presents a Holy Spirit who is God. In Acts chapter 5, Peter told Ananias and Sapphira, you haven't lied unto God, unto men, but unto the Holy Ghost, and come back and said, you've lied unto God. You know, equating the Holy Spirit with God. And by the way, let me just say right here, the Spirit of God is a divine person. He is not the force. You know, I know a lot of people think that the Spirit of God is kind of like the force in Star Wars. No, he's not. He's not a divine force. He is a person. He is the Spirit of God. So, what we see in verse 1, the first thing we see about Jesus is that he is the eternal God. And yes, he was manifested as a son of God. He, is, he, he existed before he was born in Bethlehem. He is eternal. He's part of the Godhead, one God who exists in three persons. So we see here, number one, Jesus is God. That's the first thing we see here in our passage. Second thing, second thing. And like I said, that was the longest of my points. Number two. So the first thing we see, Jesus is God. You see it in verse 1. Second thing we see here, Jesus is the creator. Jesus is the creator. You could say was the creator. Look down in verse 3. Notice what he said. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Look at verse 10. Verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him. And the world knew him not. Get that. You know what he's saying here? Jesus is the creator of all things, the creator of all things. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16 says this. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him were all things created. Did you get that? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the in earth. All things in earth created by him. Visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. By him all things consist. You know, Jesus created all things. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 9, and in Ephesians 3, 9, he said this. If I can get the page to turn. Well, Ephesians 3, 9. This is what happens when you get a new Bible. Pages get stuck together. So anyhow, I just looked at it. Ephesians 3, 9, he said this, And to make all men see what the fellowship of the mystery, 
which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Now think about that for a minute. He states that God the Father created everything by who? Jesus. You know who the agent of creation was? Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2 tells us the exact same thing. It was Jesus who created all things, all things that we see here. Now think about that. You know what that takes us back to? A triune Godhead. We believe God created the heavens and the earth. You know who he did it by? Jesus. And how did Jesus do it? Because he is God. In fact, if you go back to the book of Genesis, he says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The word God there is the Hebrew word Elohim. Do you know any, if you know anything about the Hebrew word Elohim, one of the things you note, it denotes plurality. Plurality in the Godhead is what he's talking about. It denotes plurality. In fact, in a couple of weeks on Wednesday night, I'm going to show you that again out of the Old Testament. But, but it denotes plurality. But then you come down to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, and you have an amazing statement there. And in Genesis 1:26, he says these words right there. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, he says this, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Did you catch that? Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, I don't know about you, but I, when I think about the word us, I think of plural. Do you not? More than one? In the Godhead, there are three persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And by the way, I don't think he's looking at the angels saying, let us make God, let us make man in our image. I think it's the, I think it's the triune Godhead saying, we are going to make man. We are going to make man. So what we see here in John chapter 1 is not only Jesus God, he is the creator of all things. So that's the second thing we see. So number one, Jesus is God. Number two, Jesus is the creator. That brings us to the third thing tonight, the third thing that we're going to see. Now, if I can get my page turned, we'll get to the third thing. But that brings us to the third thing tonight. What is that? Jesus is the provider of life. Jesus is the provider of life. Look down in verse 4. Notice what it says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. In other words, Jesus is the source of life. Let me just say it in two ways. Number one, he is the source of physical life. What do you mean he's the source of physical life? Well, verse 3 states that he created all things. That means all physical life on this planet was created by who? Jesus. That means he is the source of all life on this planet. So when you look at all the life around this planet, who's the source of it all? Jesus is. He is the source of all physical life. But not only that, he is the source of all spiritual and eternal life. All spiritual and eternal life. You know, many of you know the famous verses in John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, verse 15, he said this, but whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Then in verse 16, he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He is the source of everlasting life or eternal life. Verse 36, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. John chapter 5 and verse 24. There, John 5 and verse 24. The words of Jesus again there. In John 5 and verse 24, where he said this. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. So what are we saying? He is the source of life. He's the source of physical life. He's the source of spiritual and eternal life. My friend, the only way 
a person can have eternal life in heaven with God is through Jesus Christ. The only way a person, and, and excuse me, you've heard people say this, are ever going to get to the pearly gates and get through them and into heaven is through Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question tonight. Do you want to go to heaven? Well, let me tell you something. You've got to make Jesus your Savior because if He's not your Savior, you're not going to get. You're not going to get in. You're not going to make it. He is the only way for you and I to have spiritual and eternal life. He's it. So the third thing we see tonight, not only is Jesus God, not only is He the creator of all things, number three, He's the provider of life, but then number four, Jesus is the light of the world. He is the light of the world. Look at John chapter 1 again. Look down to verse 9. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. What did he say in John chapter 8 and verse 12? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. My friend, the only way that you and I can be delivered from the sin and evil of the world is through Jesus Christ. Think about this for a minute. Light refers to this. It refers to truth, holiness, and purity. You know what darkness refers to? It refers to error, sin, and wrongdoing. My friend, the only way you and I can overcome that is through Jesus Christ. The only way you and I can pass from darkness to light is through Jesus Christ. Do you know one reason tonight people reject Jesus Christ? You can talk about God all you want to. But do you know why they reject Jesus Christ? Because He shows us our sinfulness. That's why. And it's like light shining on darkness. Light shining on darkness. And when the light shows up, the darkness has to go away. Does it not? Well, Jesus is the light of the world that shines in the darkness and shows us our sin and our need of God. He shows us that. But then that brings me to the fifth thing tonight. The fifth thing tonight about Jesus. Number one, He is God. Number two, He's the creator of the world. Number three, he's the provider of life. Number four, he's the light of the world. And then number five, the fifth thing about Jesus. Jesus is God who became man. He is God who became man. Look down at verse 14 in John chapter 1. John chapter 1 and verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23, the Bible tells us there one of the classic passages about the birth of Jesus Christ. There Matthew 1 23 said these words, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. God with us. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 states, God was manifest in the flesh. Galatians 4, 4 states, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. John chapter 8 and verse 58 again, Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. You know what we call this? We call this the incarnation. And we celebrate that at Christmas. God becoming man. See, what you and I need to understand is that the babe of Bethlehem was actually God Almighty in human flesh. Jesus came down from heaven and was supernaturally born of Mary. Supernaturally. He was God in human flesh. So when you look at that babe, like, you know, I, I turned around because I'm used to that Christmas. We, we talk about this a lot. We always have decorations up here. And, uh, but, you know, I was, I was looking for the mangers while I was looking for it. But, yeah. But uh, we always have a manger scene or something up here. And, 
And when you see, when, when you look at the manger scenes this year at Christmas, when they're out, think about that. That baby that you're looking at, just not a cute little baby. That is God in human flesh. That's what it is. Jesus being born, second person of the Trinity, coming into the world as the Son of God. Think about it. See, Jesus is God who became man. Now, I want you to think with me tonight. I want you to think with me. That's five things about Jesus. Five truths about Jesus. But think with me tonight this one thing. Why did Jesus become a man? Why did he come down from heaven and was born of Mary? You know what the answer is? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the answer. Why did God come down to earth? Why was he born of Mary? Why did he leave heaven and come down? Why was God made a human being? Why did the second person of the Trinity come and be born and become a man? There are three reasons. Number one, because God loves you. God loved you so much that he gave or sent Jesus into the world for us. Number two is because God desires for you and I to have eternal life. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, God's desire for you and I is to spend eternity with him in heaven to have fellowship with him. See, but there's another part of that verse. God wants us to have eternal life in heaven, but the other part of it is he doesn't want us to perish. Did you catch that? Should not perish, but have everlasting life. In other words, not face eternal destruction. Folks, you and I stood, stand under God's judgment as condemned sinners, and punishment awaits us if you're not saved. Punishment awaits us. Folks, and it's not one day you're going to be condemned. It's not one day the gavel is going to come down. No, that's not it at all. That's not it. Why? You and I stand condemned already, according to verse 17 and 18, John 3, where he said there, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. See, my friends, God's desire for you is to have eternal life. That's why Jesus came. And then the third reason Jesus came was not only because God loves you and me, not only because God desires for us to have eternal life, but it's to provide a way for our salvation. My friends, the reason God sent Jesus into the world was to go to the cross and die as our substitute. He died, was buried, rose again the third day so we could have life. He did it so that you and I would not have to face the judgment of Almighty God. And if you're willing to repent by faith, look to Jesus for salvation, seeing your need and believing on Him, He will save you, my friend. He'll save you. Now let me ask you a question tonight. Who is Jesus to you? Pilate asked a question in Matthew 27, 22. What shall I do then with Jesus who is called Christ? And that's the same question that every one of us must make. If you're lost tonight, you've never been saved, you must answer the question, are you going to make Jesus your Savior or turn away from Him? C.S. Lewis, famous author, writer, wrote many books. But in his book, Mere Christianity, he wrote these words about Jesus and who He is. He says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, Jesus Christ. 
Jesus was a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. Isn't that what a lot of people say? That's what C.S. Lewis is saying. He's saying, don't come to me and say that. Did you catch what he said? He said, I'm trying to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of the man who says he is a poached egg, or he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You cannot shut him up for fool. You can, uh, excuse me, you can shut him up for fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that option open to us. He did not intend to. The question is, who is Jesus to you? Yes, we can give you all kinds of facts about Jesus tonight. But my friend, who is he to you? Is he God and is he your savior? Will you follow him? That's the question we have to ask. That's the question we've got to be honest about tonight. Who is Jesus to you personally? To you personally? To you personally? Do you know him as your savior? Is he the Lord of your life? Are you following him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We pray the Holy Spirit would work. Father, we pray you'd take the message tonight and use it for your honor and glory. Father, I pray you'd help people tonight to see who Jesus really is according to the Bible. Not what this one says or that one, but what the Bible says. And help us to see who he is in our lives for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, that is truly a great question that Brother Scott asked today. Who is Jesus to you? To close our sermon, you heard Brother Scott give what we call an invitation, and it was just a very clear and concise, simple presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, I encourage you, if you did not accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, but you can feel something pulling, I pray that you go to our website and check the resource, God's Bridge. It's right there at the top of the page. You can't miss it. This is a very simple and free resource that can give you the meat and potatoes of the gospel in a very clear and concise format. And when you read that, I pray that it will touch and stir your heart for the Lord. If you were listening today and you made the decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please do me a favor and go online to the website and click the Contact Us button at the very top of the screen. We would be excited not only to celebrate with you, but also to pray for you in this incredible step of your new journey with God. To close, I would like to let you know where else you can listen and watch our services. You can find us on Facebook by going to facebook.com forward slash WMBC615. There you can watch our old sermons as well as get a notification when we go live for every single sermon live stream. Be sure to like and follow the page to get all of our updates straight from us. You can also listen to our live podcast on podbean.com as well as the Podbean app. That is P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com and just search Podbean in the Apple App Store as well as Google Play. Subscribe to the podcast and you, like Facebook, will get a notification when we go live every single time. You can also catch up on the podcast and listen on all major podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. If you would like to support our ministry, first let me say thank you for your support. 
you can go to WhitleyMemorial.com and click the Give button at the top or bottom of the screen. There is no minimum amount, and we are thankful for every dollar. Until next time, my name is Daniel, and from our family here at Whitley to you, thank you for listening, and God bless you. This has been a broadcast from Whitley Memorial Baptist Church.